Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 40 of Revelation chapter 14. We're going to be reading verses 14 and 15. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And I would like to um, just mention something um, in order that people not get the wrong idea. In our last study, uh, we pointed out that a sickle, um, the sharp sickle, has one side, and, and that is typical for a sickle, and it is not like the two-edged sword. And that God was emphasizing in this passage that the word of God was cutting to judgment. The emphasis in this passage was to the judgment of God. That does not mean that elsewhere God could not refer to the two-edged sword in association with judgment day. And actually, he does do that in Psalm 149. And I'll turn there and read this. In Psalm 149, we read of the saints, and it says in verse 6, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand, to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, And then verse 10, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. And this fits in very well with 1 Corinthians statement, know ye not that ye shall, that the saints will judge the world. And that's exactly what's happening now as God's people are being used by God as an instrument of judgment. And here in Psalm 149, it mentions the two-edged sword, and that's the word of God. It's it's just not God's focus in Psalm 149 to uh, to emphasize as much as we're we're reading in Revelation 14 that this is Judgment Day and 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 um, the the wrath of God in verse after verse after verse. Well, I just wanted to clear that up. Okay, let's look at verse 15 of Revelation chapter 14. And another angel, Angelos, came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap. Now this is the, uh, the fourth time we're reading of an angel or another angel making an appearance in Revelation 14. And back in verse 9, it said, 
and the third angel follow them. And that's the only time God gives a number. And that is the third instance in the chapter um, that God made reference to an an angel. And, and, And that means that we are to number these angels. We are to count them. This is the fourth angel, and the number four points to universality. And and that uh, would relate to a worldwide judgment of the unsafe people of the earth. Um, uh, it, it has to do with the four points of the compass. And another thing that, that we um, should consider is that this angel that came out of the temple crying with a loud voice issued a command. Look at it again. Another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap. Now, who was sitting on the cloud? Verse 14 told us, One sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown. That's the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of Man, the King of all kings, the omnipotent one, almighty everlasting God, and who is an angel, an angelic being, a spirit being, that are sent forth to minister to the heirs of righteousness to command anything of the, the King of Glory, the Lord Jesus. And the answer is, an angel is not and never could issue this kind of command to Almighty God. That cannot be. God would not um, uh, have such a thing to happen. And we can be absolutely certain that this uh, reference to another angel is not a spirit being one of one of the created order of angels and it's certainly not a true believer uh, as we can also be called angels uh, as the word angel means to be a messenger it cannot be um, a created spirit being angel and it cannot be a true believer it must be God himself, the angel of the Lord, the angel of Jehovah, as the Old Testament calls him. And, and it's, it's just God as each of the other, uh, angels have been God. That it is issuing the command to the Son of Man. It's a command within the Godhead. God can command God. There, there's nothing out of the ordinary or uh, problematic with that, God um, sent forth the Lord Jesus to do his will. We read time and again in the New Testament, and Christ obediently um, followed the commands of the Father. Well, here the command within the Godhead is uh, to thrust in thy sickle, and reap. For the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, we uh, carefully want to look at everything the Bible has to say. And that's why 
we go verse by verse through the Bible. It, it is uh, a method of Bible study that does not allow us to avoid anything. First of all, we have to look at everything in each verse, and and we can't pick and choose what what we might prefer over what God has said. So that's one very excellent reason why we go verse by verse. And it's it's interesting how people accuse e-Bible of um of being uh just just um too much into judgment. We're we're um fixated. We're we're we concentrate too much on judgment, people say. And yet we're going verse by verse through the Bible. Yes, this is the book of Revelation. It has much to do with judgment. But uh, when we went verse by verse through Second John or Third John, we ended up talking about judgment also. When we went through the book of Esther, we end up speaking of judgment. I, I, I wonder sometimes, where would these people have us to to study in the Bible if they don't want to hear about the judgment of God then certainly you can't study the book of Jeremiah that's all about the judgment of God and you can't study the book of Isaiah it, it, it has a great deal to say about the judgment of God can we read Ezekiel well better watch out there's many chapters dealing with the judgment of God what of Daniel Daniel is that prophet that God gave many visions concerning the end. And what about Joel? Joel 2. Joel 1 is the Great Tribulation. Joel 2 is Judgment Day. And Joel 3 is Judgment Day. Where can we turn? Where are we permitted to go? Or where would they have us to go? And and you can see why uh, many churches and pastors and and teachers of the Bible would prefer topical studies. They would prefer to week by week, well, let me see, what verse am I going to teach on? This week it'll be John 3.16, God so loved the world. Next week, well, let's let's talk about joy and find some nice verses dealing with joy. And the following week, all oh, the peace of God is, is such a serene topic. Let's talk of the peace of God. And and they they can pick and and choose and their subject matter and go here and go there. But whenever we settle down into a book of the Bible, and I'm pretty certain it doesn't matter which book, any book of the Bible, and and then we begin to follow God's methodology of comparing Scripture with Scripture. As we do so, if it's not directly in the passage, the chapter, the book we're reading, when we compare scripture, it'll lead us there to judgment because the Bible is, is a book that does condemn mankind for man's rebellion, for man's transgression of the law of God and there's just no escaping it. There's no getting around it. And and so we don't try to. We don't want to. We want to go 
carefully through the Bible, verse by verse, and if possible, to look at as many words as we can in each verse. Uh, sometimes it feels like we're going very slow, but um, that that's the way it is. Uh, here a little, there a little. It it's not um, speed reading or or anything like that, um, and rushing through the scripture. Well, when we we do take our time, then we do notice very important teachings of the Bible that otherwise would not be recognized and and we we just wouldn't have time for them we um, and, and we would miss things if we were rushing and here in revelation 1415 where it says that uh, this other angel cried with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud thrust in thy sickle and reap we find a very interesting Greek word that's translated as thrust. It is the Greek word pempo. Pempo. Pempo is uh, Strong's number 3992. And it is found about 81 times. I counted that uh, line by line in in my Englishman's concordance, so that's why I say about. I, I could have missed a line or two. It's found about 81 times. Twice it's translated thrust in this passage that we have here in Revelation 14. And 79 times, if my count is correct, it's translated as send or sent. It, it's the word, for instance, that is used in Luke 16... In Luke 16 of the parable, the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man makes request of Father Abraham in verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Now, the, that request is denied. It, it's not possible to be granted. Because there's a great gulf fixed. It, it's the judgment of this uh, rich man. There's no more possibility of salvation. And he's really requesting a little, a little drop of grace or mercy that the word of God has brought um, historically. And, and can it be, even though I'm in this place of hell, which is the grave, that that Lazarus might be sent and and bring me just a drop. Now, I don't require a bucket full. I don't require a cup. Just a drop of water. Just the slightest possibility of salvation, of deliverance from this flame. And the answer is no. It's not possible uh, because of the gulf and, and uh, there's no way for Lazarus to pass from here to you. And this passage is teaching us of the impossibility of salvation once God has brought about the condition of hell, which he has done once he shut the door of heaven on May 21, 2011. 
and he guaranteed the destruction of every unsaved individual and, and thereby brought them into a condition of death. And, and hell and death are synonymous. And, and even though, um, we would, God's people, his messengers, desire to bring the gospel and offer hope to people, we cannot. It, there's an inability. There, there uh, is no way we can cross the gulf that, that God has fixed. Everyone's spiritual condition is established and permanently set, fixed by God. The righteous will remain righteous like Lazarus. The filthy will remain filthy like the rich man. But, but anyway, the word sent is found here and also in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Pempo, send, is how this word is always translated, except in Revelation 14. In Luke 20, in verse 11, it says again, he sent another servant. And they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third. And they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. In verse 11, 12, 13, the words send. God, or typified by the Lord of the vineyard, sending his servants. And we know that is a picture of God sending his people into the world. And the prophets of old, and and God has continued to do so in the New Testament. In John 20, Pempo is used in verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me. Even so, send I you. Send, the word send of send I you is pempo. It, it is uh, related to the Great Commission. To go into the world with the gospel and and teach all creatures. And, and so this word pempo has everything to do with being a messenger of God. Being one sent with the word of God. Why then would would God use this word to to refer to the sickle? Thrust in thy sickle and reap. And and really, literally, it's send in thy sickle and reap. Why on earth would God use that particular word? There there obviously had to be other words that he could choose and and we know the answer that the Bible gives us is that it has always been God's plan to utilize his elect people as instruments of reaping. That when Christ desires to reap just as um, in time past during the day of salvation when Christ desired to sow seed. And we do read in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13 that a man 
went forth sowing seed. Who is that man? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the sower, and, and uh, he he did all the work. He's the one who moved uh, in his people to will and do of his good pleasure. Yet Christ is the sower, and the Bible does speak of how beautiful are the feet of him that bringeth glad tidings of good news. Christ sowed personally, individually, his word to the people of the world uh, in order to seek and save his lost sheep, and, and he did that. But even though we know the Bible uses that language, how beautiful are the feet of him, and that he is the sower, yet it was not accomplished through Jesus alone. The sending forth of the gospel was the commandment of Christ, and he's the one that stirred up his people, moved within them to obey his commandment. And Christ sowed through his elect as they went forth and became missionaries in India and Africa and China, as they went forth with um, uh, tracts on gospel mission trips, uh, handing out literature. And it, uh, Christ was the sower. How beautiful were the feet of him. And yet the Bible also says, how beautiful are the feet of them. It, it, and it's, it's not um, a contradiction. It's one and the same. We're the body of Christ. As God's people sowed the seed, Christ sowed the seed. Well, how's he going to accomplish his plan to reap the harvest? How will Jesus um, use the sickle and and do the reaping of the harvest of the earth? Well, he's going to do it exactly the same way that he sowed. He's going to use his people. And uh, I'm sure that uh, there might be some that are listening and shaking their head and saying, Oh no, oh no, here we go. Another crazy idea from eBible Fellowship. We're the reapers now. Well, I didn't say that. I, I mean, I'm not the one saying that. The Bible's saying that. If we turn over to John chapter 4, it says in verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And that word sent here is pempo, just like we saw in those other places. And to finish his work, say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Now notice here it's joining together the one that sows and the one that reaps. And we know full well that we were used by God to sow the seed of the gospel. That's uh, every time we would share a verse, speak to a friend, hand out a track. Spiritually, that was sowing the seed of the gospel. 
Well, since here it's joining the two together, the one that reaps and the one that sows may rejoice together, then the one reaping is likewise the true believers. It goes on to say in verse 37, And herein is that saying true, One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Who did Christ send to reap? You and I. I sent you, children of God. I sent you to reap. We are the reapers. We are the ones sent forth, according to uh, this verse in John 4.38. And what does Revelation 14.15 say? Thrust in thy sickle and reap. And the Greek word translated as thrust is send in thy sickle and reap. Send in the reapers. Uh, I'll just look at one other verse for this study. We're going to pick this up, Lord willing, in our next study. But in uh, Matthew 13, in the parable of the, the sower, it says in verse 37, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels, or messengers, as that word angelos is translated either angel or messenger. And here it should be messenger. And, and, and who qualifies as a messenger? The one sent is a messenger of God. And John 4.38, I send you to reap. Send in thy sickle and reap. God is sending the messengers, the, the saints of God, the elect of God, the true children of God, to perform the task of reaping the harvest in the day of judgment. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.